Hello and welcome to Down the Slope Podcast with myself, Ewan, and once again we are joined by Greg and Harry. Hello. Hey. And this week, unfortunately, we will be reviewing a disappointing weekend as both Hibs teams suffered defeats. We'll be discussing Jack Ross's tenure so far as when we kick off on Sunday, that will mark a year in charge of the Hibs team. And we'll also hear from Dean Gibson following the Hibs women's defeat to Rangers on Sunday. So... We'll go in order, so we'll start with the men's team on Friday night. Um, quick start is exactly what happened on Friday night. Just a quick start of complete and utter shite. Um, Harry, what what did you make of the first, well, 15 minutes and then the game as a whole? Well, as most people have probably worked out by now that listen to us, I'm the resident happy clapper. It tries my best to like keep up beating stuff about Hibs against Hearts. I didn't personally think we were that bad. Against Aberdeen, it was a different story. I thought that it was the most hecky-like performance I've seen from a non-hecky side. Um, we were all buzzing that Murphy was getting back in the starting lineup. In the first 15 minutes, he refused to give the ball to anybody apart from the Aberdeen players. And then Porteous saw this and thought, I'll get involved with that. So he started lumping the ball to Aberdeen players as well. And then the two goals they scored were both just calamities. Um, there's no excuse in it. Um, I, I know we, we had talks in the group chat and you were like, the manager has to take responsibility. For me, he takes responsibility for putting the players on the field, but he's not the one making those individual errors. Like yeah. Both goals were completely down to individuals. I feel bad for Marciano in there because he's been really solid this season. And that's two goals he doesn't deserve to concede and he can't do anything about but the main problem for me that game was just nothing. I can't remember a single attack in which I thought we're going to score here or we're going to do something here. We just looked bereft of ideas when we were on the ball. And there was, I don't think there was a single positive to take at that performance. Not one player on that pitch made an impact that you could say, aye, well done. I thought they all just need a smacker in the head. Hopefully Ross went a bit daft at them. Like, I don't know if he's got that in his system, yeah. but I would hope that he went a bit daft. Yeah, I think I think for me again, like it was terrible, wasn't it? You know what I mean? It was. It was probably like the worst performance. Like we touched, just said, Jack Ross has been here a year now, and it's probably the worst performance under him. I'm sure there was like yeah, look, we got beat and we got convincingly beat by Rangers at Christmas last year. Like it, what it was free going on, God knows how many, but. There were still points in that game as towards the end of the first half where we'd looked a bit of a threat. And that's against Rangers who at the time were flying. And but we were so just like it's hard to even say there was nothing. You know what I mean? And it's hard to it's like I wasn't even that angry after the game because it was just so boring. Like it, it was so there was nothing to really get your emotions going. You know what I mean? Like Two stupid, stupid bits of play. And look, I understand. I think the Portress one's worse than the Murphy one because, look, you can try and play out for the back. And I think Aberdeen still worked it well. It was a decent pass and a good finish. But that early in the game, just get rid of the ball. And But the Portress one, that's just... It's, there's no excuses at all. Like, he's got... I think uh, Josh Doig 
Uh, no, Josh Doyle, sorry. Paul McGinn just to the right of him, and uh, I think Martin Boyle as well, who could easily just slip it to, but he tries this ridiculous cross-field pass to, I'm assuming, Jamie Murphy. And does he need contacts or something? Because the player was two yards lean up. Like, he's in fucking bright red. <laughs> right in front of him, and he just smacks it over. And obviously then... It sort of sums up your luck, I guess, because it falls to Cosgrove perfectly and then he just runs straight in on goal. But And then after that, there was just nothing. Just absolutely nothing. And okay. speaking of coaches messing up, um, he, he done that, what do you call it, a few years back when Gary Mackay-Stevens scored in the 1-0 game. Yeah. Mind that one, lost back, the ball, yeah. but it seems... Yeah. I finished 1-0 that game as well. I won now. Yep. But anyway, Ewan, I think we need to step back. Craig's ready to unleash. Okay, so th- thank you for the floor. Um, look, 31-year-old Jimmy Murphy is. What is he playing at with the first one? Why are you trying to play a cross-field pass in your own box? <laughs> Words fail me, to be quite frank. Um, second goal, trying the World Cup pass. No need. Play a six-yard pass this idea. Let's go again. <clears throat> From the hardest game, <clears throat> the very least I would have expected his boys to come out and and show themselves and you know take a bit of pride in their performance. But they came out and had had for ninety minutes. And I'm sorry, but that that is not good enough. Nowhere near good enough. And this is a team that we meant to be marking ourselves against all season. Yeah. And to be quite honest, we were miles off it. Absolutely miles off it. And I've not really seen Jack Ross get that after a game. But to be honest, I actually thought he could have, he could have gone a lot further with the team. It wasn't just he was poor and we were poor. He was awful and, and the team was, was abysmal, to be yeah. quite honest. I mean, the substitution taking Newell off and then bringing Marlon on, like, what, what is he seeing there? Hey, it's not even, it's, it's, it's it, not, and it's not a slam it, of bringing Marlon on. It's just that's not changing anything. Yeah, I mean, as soon as... As soon as the board goes up, you think, oh, well, maybe, maybe Gogic, you know, a holding midfield player, let, let's bring Malin on, you know, push the two of them further up the park. But it was like for like. And to, to be honest, that just summed it up. Like you say, we're very boring. I think the most exciting part of the game was tucking into a bag of minstrels, to be quite honest. <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was horrific. Yeah, like. You go 2 0 down and you're looking for a reaction, there's just nothing there. There was like, absolutely no spark at all. And I, I just, do you know what? It was a, we looked beaten before we went on the park, to be honest. I didn't see anything from us, even in the first four minutes before we conceded the goal. We, we just, there was just nothing there. We, we didn't create anything. Boyle needs dropped for a start. He's, he's not doing anything. Uh, I would, I know we're going to touch on it, but I would like to see a, a massive shake up this weekend. To possibly to scare boys, but also because they don't deserve to be in that squad. Yeah, I think looking back, obviously it's been a good few days now. We've been on Friday, but I was sitting, like I said, and maybe the like I was frustrated watching the game, and I was watching obviously the family in the living room, and I'm screaming just like Boyle is just offering nothing, and like, and when I mean offering nothing, look, it's all look. If he gets on the ball and tries to take on the fullback and he gets tackled, fair enough. But Paul McGinn's got the ball. And instead of staying wide, Boyle's just coming in, hiding behind the central midfielder or the fullback, 
asking for the ball with like three players between them, it's just not on. Like, at, like that pass is not on. And I don't know if it's a confidence fit. And don't get me wrong, this isn't just a slight. And Martin Boyle will get it, and he'll get the hard time because of how good he is and how good he can be. He's not the only one that was terrible on Friday. And Harry, I know this is like sacrilege, but I think Gogic, if Gogic is going to continue to be the more advanced midfielder of him and Joe Newell, which fucking baffles me, then he needs to be dropped because Alex Gogic in and around the Aberdeen box is not going to do anything. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think there is a place for Gogic in a team like Hibs. But I think Saturday, uh, Friday night showed again against Aberdeen the same way it did against Motherwell at Easter Road and Aberdeen at Easter Road. If you play against good midfields with two players in the middle of the park, you are not going to win that game. And did Hibs lose the midfield during, on Friday night? I don't know. Because the game was over 10 minutes in. But from the get-go, I was not confident. Aberdeen came Easter Road, and I know Gogic wasn't playing. Uh, we had Newell and Halberg at centre mid at Easter Road with a fine Dre Dyke sort, of play, sort of played up front, I think, didn't that day? I'm sure it was still a 4 4 2 because Nisbet was missing. And Ferguson and McCrory, and I can't remember who played centre mid uh, with them at Easter Road, but again, and they just, Ferguson and McCrory have probably been the two best central midfielders in the league this season. If not, maybe out, out, definitely outside Rangers. Like, and we were just never going to go and do well in that game. And obviously, going two goals behind to an Aberdeen team, who albeit have been playing a lot of good football this season, at 2 0 up, Derek McInnes is just like, right, lads, let them have the ball. They're not going to do anything. We will get in our shape. And that's what happened. We had 60, 70% of the ball. And our first shot on target was a mishit cross in the 90th minute. Like, it, it was really bad. And the funny thing is, you go on Twitter after the Ross County game, this is why we won't finish third. No. You go on Twitter on Friday night, nothing about finishing third. The reason we won't finish third is because we've taken zero from six points against Aberdeen. And quite frankly, look absolutely miles off them in the two games we've played. Look, Three individual mistakes, yeah. But have we actually looked like scoring against them in the two games? I'm no, not, not at all. Harry, how, how do you think this Hibs team compares to Aberdeen right now? And are you still confident? Look, I know, are you still confident that we'll finish first? It's, I'd, I'd say I'm hopeful that we can challenge to finish for I think confident to finish for If you're confident in finishing for at the moment, you need your head wobbled because there's no something to be confident about. Um, and I that's think, coming for the happy clapper as well. Exactly. <laughs> <Save> a lot. <laughs> but the thing is with Aberdeen, like you touched on it in the preview, like they've got a lot of new players this year that's enabled them to actually play a lot of nice football that we've not seen before. So... Going into it on paper, I think on paper it looks like we've got a better team, but it's because players like Hedges I don't really know that much about because yeah. they've not really been around that long. Um, and when you've got players like Cosgrove coming back, and again, another player from down south who they've just kind of picked up and they've just hit the ground running here. Um, Aberdeen are just a really tricky team to pick. And then they went down to Motherwell and they got absolutely battered off Motherwell 3-0. And that was 3-0 yeah, going on 
three nil at home. Oh, was that at home? Yeah, in, inside twenty minutes. Motherwell. There was three 0 after like fifteen minutes. Like, aye, and like Motherwell. That was when Motherwell were really bad as well, and yeah. they just couldn't find anything. They went and battered Aberdeen. But um, and then last week, I think the thing that shows that Aberdeen have kind of upped their game is how they played against Celtic and at Audrey because they were brilliant in that game. I think that they were valued for a win that game. They were really unlucky not to. But and then the semi final. That kind of sums up why Aberdeen aren't winning the league or winning any cups. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment it's difficult to dispute the fact that we're substantially behind Aberdeen until we find a way to beat them. Like it's as simple as that. Because I think it's eight. I, I thought it was nine years, but then someone yeah. corrected me. Eight years since we won at Pataudry. That's mental. Yeah, and to be fair, Aberdeen haven't really been. They've not been good all that all that spell either. So we won there. And Fedland's first season towards the end, of it, I think we'd be Aberdeen, we'd be Aberdeen midweek and then be Dunfermline like the Monday night or something, and that was it. Um, and then there was some game at the end of that season that like, I don't know. But um, the and then I remember McInnes came in. It might even be the season we got relegated or the season before. Um, and I remember, I'm sure his first game was against Hibs. You know, I'm sure he. he I remember this pretty clearly. One of his very first games, if not first game, it was a Monday night at Easter Road on ESPN. And it was the fucking worst nil-nil game in the fucking history of football, honestly. It was grim. And that's it. that was a bottom six game. Like, Aberdeen haven't been good in all that period. Obviously, we were out the league and stuff like that. And random stats come up. Like, Celtic haven't beat us at Easter Road in the league since 2014. So... You, but we've only played them five times or something since we came back up. You know what I mean? Like, but that's that's true, and that's something that we will be making. Like, we'll we'll be looking at that as a good point going into the into the Celtic game after the break. But I just I think we're miles off it. I'm still confident that we finish fourth because we've got seven points, and we're not that bad. You know what I mean? We're not. What's annoying me is that you look at the last two games of last season, pumped by Hearts, pumped by Aberdeen. It's like, it's so easy to forget what's went on in between the last 10 months, but the feeling right now is very similar to the feeling that you would have had going into that St. Johnson game before it got postponed at the end of that season. At the end of last season. Greg, what... How do you see Hibs matching up to Aberdeen just now? Um, I think individually we've, we've possibly got better players in, in some positions, but like you can only really judge it off the last game, the last two games. We've gone up to Aberdeen and played 4-4-2 for, for some unknown reason. It certainly wouldn't have been my decision to play that. Um, I think if you go up there, you need to play five, try and nullify the midfield. I know we didn't help ourselves, but, you know, give yourself as, as good a chance. Look, they obviously got beat 3-0 off Motherwell at home. That was a bit of a freak result. But at the moment, in terms of where we are and where they are, yes, we may have individually better players, but they are miles ahead of us overall. We are we are nowhere near them, in my opinion. Um, we... We just need to. We just need to start showing it. To be honest, and you know, games like dropping points at Ross County, yes, it's frustrating. Will it stop us finishing third? 
possibly not. But at the same time, based on the last two games and what, what we've seen, we are absolutely miles off where we should be and where I'd hoped that we would have been in terms of Aberdeen. But, you know, they, they may have a collapse and then we may go on a run again, but yeah, we, we need to get we need to get back to basics quick if we want to if we want to get third. And what would you guys say? I think it's very fair for Steve Clark to be picking Constantina over Porteous after the past couple of games. Yeah, I mean can argue with that to be honest. Again, it's it's easy to say it's easy to say like oh um, everything's shite because we've had a couple of, like we're in a bad run of form but Ryan Porches I think individually reflects the team just now yeah. he's a the, the team at the start of the season maybe they weren't quite clicking but they were getting away with things in terms of like the way Dundee United the way St Johnston like getting the wins and then we sort of clicked into action and looked really good. And then simultaneous, Porches got his call-up, Hamlin got his call-up, McGinn got their call-up. And then sort of since the last international break, it's been almost like a steady regression. Obviously, we came back and drew at Ross County, uh, which you had really good spell at the start of the game and then really average, really, for the rest of the game after that. And in the last two games, Porches on the ball has been shocking, really. Um Obviously, it cost us uh, on Friday night and against Hearts. Like the amount of times that he's tried to play a pass back to Marciano and it's went out for a corner. Recalling at least three occasions that happened, um, and it's just not good enough, really, is it? And it, it's just—is it confidence? Is it concentration in the game? Is it? You don't know. Like, and it's all things that can't. It, I just think it's purely just concentration, like. How can Ryan Porteous not see that that pass to Jamie Murphy isn't on? And it's one or whoever it is he's trying to hit on Friday night. Like, like Greg said earlier about trying the World Cup ball, I don't have any issue with someone trying a long diagonal pass and maybe they miss hit it and, you know, like they, they scuff it and it ends up falling to the striker that's 20 yards away or 10 yards away, you know what I mean? But the Aberdeen player was literally five yards away from him. Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm not a professional football player. I'm not, like, obviously he thought he could make that pass, but I just don't think he's, and to go back on your point, yeah, there's, he deserve, he's deservedly back in the under-21 squad just now, I would think. And just to sort of move on slightly from the Aberdeen game, obviously that sort of, in terms of league action, that wraps up the first year under Jack Ross. Um, we've played 38 games uh, under him, which is obviously a full, a full season, if you like. Um, I was trying to figure it out in my head, sort of who we've played, how many times, like in terms of sort of bigger games, if it sort of adds up. And we've played Aberdeen four times. Uh, obviously, we've played Hearts a couple of times last season in the league. I think we've had five games against the old firm, so sort of missing a couple of them. But averages out probably had a good barometer. Our best ever season, obviously we put this out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, our best ever season was Neil Lennon, first season back up in terms of points, 38 games, 67 points. Jack Ross in 38 league games has taken 68 points. So he's a goal, but uh, one point better off. Uh, I think we'd scored five more goals in the 
in the period as well in terms of this, that season compared to now. Um, how well has Jack Ross come in? Uh, has he done since he came in came in Easter Road? Obviously, in the last four games, uh, I know we're talking about the, four, the full year, but in the last four games, we haven't even scored a goal from open play. Uh, he had a penalty against Kelly and then obviously a set-piece goal against Hearts. But if you're looking, and obviously on Sunday, that does mark his one-year anniversary. Harry, out of 10, how's Jack Ross done in his first year? And why? It's annoying because if you asked me that question two weeks ago, we're probably looking at a solid like eight and a half, nine, I'd say. But you do have to take into consideration the past two games and it does put a dampener on things. I think giving him anything less than a 7.5, I could give him. I think that from where we were this time last year, I don't think that relegation was off the cards. And if we'd kept Hecky for too much longer, it probably would have been. Um, And he's turned that squad around by adding like five or six players and he's made them into a team that's looking set for Europe. Like, it's a massive turnaround. Obviously, the fans um, are really wanting them to be pushing for third and trying to challenge Celtic and Rangers. It's something that we've always wanted, but it's probably not going to happen for the foreseeable unless Gordon bumps up the money. But um, yeah, I, I would I'd stick with a, I'd stick with an eight. I'll give him an eight. Um, I'm, if if we sacked him, God knows who we'd get in. Eh? Well, we just get yeah. that Tommy Wright. Again on Friday night, I was like, oh fuck! It's like here we go again. <laughs> I was like, right, he needs to go again. Look, he doesn't he doesn't need sacked. And I have to be honest, at full time, I was really annoyed. And but then a couple of hours passed, and I've seen his interview with BBC Scotland. And for the first time in his tenure, I felt like he didn't he just. And again, this is maybe just having a pop, but I feel like normally he just speaks cliches after games. But I felt like then he ended the interview, or at least when the interview cut off with. I wasn't good enough, the players weren't good enough, and the officials weren't good enough. And I felt like that sort of calmed me down a bit. It was at least it was a bit like, yeah, no, we were shit. I was shit. Like, okay, yeah, probably a couple of decisions didn't go our way in the second half. Um, I think was it should have been a penalty on Boyle and potentially, well, definitely a free kick at the edge of the box and potentially a red card because he would have been through on goal. But then again, Paul Hanlon was maybe a bit lucky in the second half as well. But um, that calmed me down a wee bit. Um, Greg, you, I can't imagine, are going to give Jack Ross an eight because you very much live in the moment when it comes to Hibs. And you also have high demands and high expectations. So where does Jack Ross land on the scale for you? Look, I do have high demands from Hibs and sometimes they're a bit pie in the sky, shall we say. Um, I, I would probably give him a seven and a half out of ten, to be fair. Um, when he came in, we were in a mess, to be quite honest. Like It was it was horrific how bad we were. We obviously, the, the, the semi-final against Celtic was, yeah. was possibly just... One of the worst performances I've seen from a Hibs team over the last year. You know, 38 games, he's had 68 points. You, you can't really argue with that. You know, there has been games where you're like, what are you doing and what are we doing? Yeah. Hearts at home for a start. What was going on? 
we went that game confident, and it, it just we just capitulated. But look, there has been progress. Of course, the last two results are very rotten. You know, they're against teams that we would always expect, you know, or hope to, to win against. Um, but yeah, look, I think over the course of the year, he's certainly made a massive difference. He's made some great signings, and and look, uh, I think I'm a bit like yourself. You and after the game on Friday, we were very much like, "Nah, this is enough." Um, but look, his interview was very honest for the first time. He, he spoke like he didn't swallow a coaching manual before an interview. So um, <laughs> I did appreciate how honest he was, and and he was right. He was poor. The team were poor, and. And the officials were poor, but he also said that you know that might not have had a bearing on the game because we didn't give ourselves that platform. And, and he's right, you know, he's right to highlight it. But at the same time, he did realise that he was in the wrong, and the team weren't good enough. But the I still think that there's a good future with Jack Ross, young manager. You know, he is still learning. To be fair, and he always turns out very nicely for match day. So <laughs> I, can, I can get right behind that. So I just. Before I sort of give my year assessment, just finishing up on, on the Aberdeen game, and it was interesting what he said in the interview around the officials, basically basically saying if he'd come out and been made a cunt the week before, after the Hearts game, maybe they would have got more decisions in the Aberdeen game. And I think there's obviously a nice balance in that with that. But I think you look at... And I think one of the other podcasts mentioned that do teams get away with certain things? I think it was Long Bangers, get away with things because of the reputation of the club. So, like maybe Hearts players, Hearts get away with being more physical because refs and most fans expect a physical game when Hearts are involved. And maybe because Hibs have got this reputation of maybe being a bit soft and trying to play more football, do we get less free kicks? Maybe because teams find we're a bit softer? Do we get more fouls given against us? Because when we do put in that crunch tackle, it's maybe a bit more abnormal. And I think even going back when we were able to attend the games, that was probably something that I certainly felt. Um, no matter what happened in the game, I always felt that the Hibs player got the first yellow card. But So it'll be interesting to see what Jack Ross's tone is sort of with the media um, after, after the international break. Obviously, we do have a game this weekend in the League Cup. But moving back to Jack Ross, as a whole in his first year, I'd struggle to give him anything more than a seven. And that's hard. But, so what's, what's, what's a ten? You know what I mean? A ten, what, like, like, so, Alan Stubbs probably wouldn't even get a ten and he won the Scottish Cup because he never got us promoted. And, like, Neil Lennon had our best ever proper season, got us into Europe, had a cup a good crack at Europe and then got us promoted as well and then obviously faded away and would he get any more than an eight? Probably not. And in the nicest way, Jack Ross hasn't achieved anything at Hibs yet. Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jack Ross but he's not achieved anything yet. Okay, but well, you're, not, you're, we didn't you're get judging him based off of his year and like yeah, his tenure. I don't think it's that been, I don't think it's been, I think, he, I think he's been good. But I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm, like, well done. We never got relegated. Like, we oh, finished. Right, so, so, so you've mentioned Alan Stubbs, right? What would Alan Stubbs get if he didn't win the Scottish Cup? For me, 
ultimately he's failed, hasn't he? Aye, but that's what's But how many attempts do they have at getting promotion? No, that's what I'm saying. He would pro- that's what I'm saying. Like, I, so he, but he did the holy grail. I'm not saying he would score better or worse than Jack Ross, but I'm just saying Jack Ross right now, he came in last year. We were very up and down, but uh, he, he got past marks for last year, I'd say. Like, you know what I mean? He came in, steadied the ship, and we, pro- we would have finished top six. But even towards the end of that, there was a few, you know what I mean? We went from really thinking we had a chance of finishing top four under him last year, which would have been unbelievable. But by the time we went to Petodrian, what ended up being the last game of the season, we had no chance of catching uh, Aberdeen in fourth. We were a country mile behind because we'd lost a few games in the lead up to that. And we had a very good start to the season, but let's not beat around the bush. We're, what, 12, 13 games in and we've won two of the last six. Like, we had a very good start, but we're, we're average just now. So, if we finish top four this season and have a good cup run, then, aye, he can go up to an eight or a nine. But right now, he's got past marks, but he's not done anything spectacular, I don't think. We had a very good start to the season, but I don't think, I just, <laughs> I don't, I like Jack Ross, but we didn't look like scoring loads of goals in a game. The defence is starting to get a bit leaky again, and I think seven's fair, to be fair. Honestly, I do. Like, it's pass marks, but B, he's certainly not getting an A. I think for me, I think that's the reason that Hibs struggle so much to actually become an established club at this top of the league, because we take a manager who, as you've said in the past 38 games, has given us our highest point total. Like, it would be in a season if we'd kept him. But he's not given the time to actually establish yeah. himself as a manager. For what he's done, taking a club that's nearly been relegated, he's taken them to a club that looks dead set for Europe. And in a year, that's not good enough. No, I mean, for it's me, not I, good enough. I'm not saying it's well, not good enough. I think seven is ridiculously harsh, considering the fact that we're pretty much the same squad that was here last year, with a few good except like players like Joe Newell, for example. This time last year, you were nowhere near the club. Doidge, nowhere yeah. near the club. You wanted that whole defence shot and a new defence in. Marciano was pretty much at the door as well. Ross has flipped that team around and turned them into a team that is looking like, at minimum, top four team in the country. And I personally think that turnaround is enough to get at least an eight. But, you know, if you, you want to be right? high... Do you know what, right? My last, my, my last thought on this, right? Points make prizes, yes. However, look at where we were. Look at the team that we had and the way we were playing and look at where we are now. Yes, of course, it'd be amazing to win something, but we have also achieved already in the last year because the team has come on leaps and bounds. Just because we've not won a cup, you know, you're not going to win most improved player, but (laughs) as a team, we have improved. There is no doubt of that. Oh, don't get me wrong. There's no... Doubting that we are nice. So stop slagging him, right? No, I give him a seven. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, dude, Harry gives an eight, you give him a seven and a half, and I'd be a seven. Like, fucking hell, there's hard And you're the bad one. I just, like, <laughs> you're right, you're wrong. That's it. I, like, I just, no, <laughs> look, it's not even a case of wanting to be proved wrong because I do think we would have a good season. But I'm, a lot less optimistic about Jack Ross now than I was six weeks ago. And that 
it's true. Like that is the truth. And don't want it. We don't want to get too caught up on it. But one win in four against Aberdeen, one win in three against Hearts, and one point in five games against Old Firm. So, yeah, we might be. But what will be the points against the rest of the league? Yeah, okay. So we, we might be a top of the bet. So fine, we're the fourth best team in the country. We're not close to being the third best team. Like right, but so 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 we finished seventh last season. Yeah, so, so we improved anywhere above seventh this year is an improvement, surely. Yeah, so this isn't going to happen overnight. He's not going to win the league. I give him a He's not going to win the league like this yeah. season. However, yeah, I think that a ten out of ten. Right, for Jack Ross to get a ten, a ten out of ten season, a ten mm-hmm. out of ten season, mm-hmm. we would need to finish in the European places and win a trophy. That's ten mm-hmm. out of ten. That is as good as a season Hibs can have. Europe, mm-hmm. Europe, and a trophy, right? Uh, nah, like for me, I think third, like so, solid third. Like if we're scraping by Aberdeen last day, nah, if we oh, get, get third by point. What? Like um, you get a better entry into Europe for winning the cup than you do for finishing that's third. Uh, but like, what, do you get a trophy for finishing third? Do you get to sign Sunshine on Leaf at Hamden for finishing third? Like. No, but we've made such a big deal of finishing third. I feel like we need to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is the perfect place to end this wee segment on Jack Ross's first year in charge. Um, so, we've spoken about Jack Ross's first year in charge, and like we mentioned earlier, and on a few occasions, Sunday or Monday will start the second year in charge. And before going on about what we would like to see, I guess they sort of come and come together. Obviously, Dundee in the League Cup, you're going to be without Porches, Gorgic, Marciano. Um, I think that's it in terms of international call-ups this time round. What do you want to see on, on Sunday against Dundee? And then also moving back into league action. Uh, I think we've got three games in a week when we come back. We've got... Celtic at home and then the rearranged game against St Johnston that midweek and then Motherwell away. What do you want to see from Hibs this weekend, uh, especially, especially around sort of team selection and stuff, and then moving into the league and the start of Jack Ross's second year? And what, is, what do you want to see from Hibs that's going to make Mass 7 a 9? Well... I mean, th- this weekend, I would I would like to see some changes, to be honest. I think we need it. Um, I'd like to see players like Mackey and Gullen getting a start. Um, I-, I don't really think, you know, Mackey's not really a chance this season. And to be fair, any time Gullen's come on, he's looked good. So get- give them a-, a bit of a run out. Um, to be honest, I, I don't really know what to do this weekend. We can't obviously rest too many players. I'd imagine Dundee would, you know, would be looking to come east, come uh, to Easter Road and, and get the win and do you know what they don't look like they're like they're any mugs. So we we still while rotating need to make sure we've got a squad worthy of winning. Um and to be honest I think when it gets back to League Action the team the team should go back to what it has been. Um I think that if we can get it working, for example, with the team that started on Friday, possibly a different formation, then I think 
you know, that would probably be my preference. But at the same time, we, we need to turn up and perform. Um, with Jack Ross's second year in charge, I'd like to see him get to the end of the second year for a start. Like, you know, I think the Hibs were very guilty of um, not a lot of continuity at times. Too too quick to change it, you know. He's but he has built a good base, a good foundation. So let us give him whatever he needs to to go and turn you and seven into a nine. Um, and I do have every faith that he will do that. What what he needs to do for that, I don't know. I think we do need to become harder as a team. Um, not so much of a soft touch. I feel like that does hinder us in games. Um, one thing I would say though is I think that game management has improved since he came in at times. Um, I would like to see us be more consistent at that though. Um, but yeah, keep up the, the touchline fashion. Because <laughs> he, he is one of the most handsome managers in the league. If we were just rating fashion sense, and obviously done a good article about that as well, but um, aye, I mean, he would get a 10 out of 10 for that. And I tell I you what, loves a bit of hair dye, by the way. I don't know if you remember pre-season. He was looking grey as anything, so he had to be at the barbers for a while. But now he's got the lovely, luscious black black locks back. <laughs> Harry, um, I know what's coming here. So let's just talk about the League Cup for you first. Sunday. Right. The thing is, as we all can, there's a whole pandemic thing going on. So this whole group stage thing is the most stupid thing our thing our stupid governing body for the Scottish game could have done. I think that pre-season great, get the people warmed up. If this season they want to do it, just then they put the Premier League teams in it. I think Hibs have got bigger fish to fry with making sure we get European football. If we can somehow capitalise on an Aberdeen slip-up at some point and push for third, that would be amazing. But this League Cup, I could not give a rat's ass about. I think committing anything towards it. It's annoying because um, this is the type of time, as Greg said, we want to see a shake-up in the starting team, starting lineup, just to give people like a wake-up and actually start playing. But the players don't care about a game against Dundee. I know every game is supposed to be important, yeah. but it's a pointless game. We're pretty much already through the group. Um, what's the difference between first seed and second seed anyway? It's a stupid cup competition. And in my eyes, like, it's just daft. I'm not for it. Um, I'd expect us to go out and win. But if we go out and lose, I personally won't be that bothered. I love watching Hibs. And if we were, <laughs> if it was during regular times, obviously I'd be going to the game. But I'm not even sure if I'll watch it because I'm really not that bothered about it at all. I just think it's pointless and stupid. But at least Dylan Barnes will fail to catch a few crosses and it'll annoy you, which will be good. <laughs> hey, yeah. So, what annoyed me last time was the fact that he was getting unnecessary yeah. stick. Cove Rangers mm. scored a good free kick and then he saved a shot after it and he never took it entirely clean and it was the whole, oh, but then if he never reacted so quickly, they'd have had it happen. Oh, so we're criticising our goalkeepers now Making a good for, for doing good <laughs> things. But if they didn't do that, then Jesus Christ, well, aye. But for me... On Is that you that said that? No. you think to say, to be honest. On Sunday, look, I want Hibs to win, obviously. That's the given. And I don't necessarily share the same viewpoint as you, especially, look, 
could they have maybe went back to just a straight knockout this year, even with all the teams? Maybe um, the group stage thing. I, I like I like the group stage idea if it's in pre-season. And I like yeah. it even better because if we're where we need to be, then we don't have to be in the group stages. If we qualify for Europe, we go in and straight knockout, it'd be wrapping up about this time of year. Um, Good for getting the stadiums ticked off as well. I there you go. And I don't mind... Look, I don't... I, Hibs do not win enough trophies for us to write our competition, uh, competitions. Like... Wait, wait, I think was it just last week we spoke about our favourite games? Uh, or our, no, sorry, was it lead up to the derby? Maybe about our favourite memories at Hamden. And I'm, I speak for all of us that that game against Kilmarnock in the League Cup was unbelievable. And I was also just as frustrated coming out of the games against Ross County and Livingston as I would have been if that was a Scottish Cup final. You know what I mean? It didn't. That doesn't matter. Like I want to see Hibs be successful, and I judge success on silverware. Like. Yeah, finishing in the top half of the league's all right, but we're fucked out of that by the end of July anyway, most years. <laughs> like, but I think, like, it's stupid the way they've done it. And I think making teams, again, I don't want to, as this little big club, but clubs like Hibs and Aberdeen, oh, sorry, Aberdeen obviously aren't in it because they finished in the European places, but. So maybe, it probably only affects us. And I think even Brian Rice said something because Hamilton had a lot of youth players away. You've got a depleted squad as it is over the international break. And then you've got a shed load of games and because of COVID. And then you're playing, obviously we're lucky this time because we are by, sort of, if you like, with it being a five-team group was tonight when other games were going on. Um, so we're lucky that it's not going to disturb us that much. It's just weekend, weekend, weekend. But... In the last break, we played three games in 10 days, and it's like, what the fuck is the point? And it's like, you end up thinking, oh, we'll rotate. But unless you want to play a bunch of 16-year-olds, you've still seen Nisbet Dodge and that playing in their games. But I think get the group out of the way, and then it's crack on and try and win that competition. Like, I think that's got to be Hibs' attitude in all, the, in all the competitions. And then moving on into the rest of the league, for me... So this is something that Heke got criticised, playing one up front. But right now, I think the way we're playing 4-4-2, we're not creating a thing. Like, we're not, we're not creating anything. And don't, I'm not an advocate for one up front in the slightest, but we need to create more. And if having an extra body in the middle of the park or having two proper out-and-out wingers or going... I mean, my preference would be three-five-two, but I would, um, I would, I want to go. I, I want to see us create more, like, and if we need to drop Nisbet or Dodge for that, and get, I don't know, Stevie Mallon in the ten, like Murphy on the left, Boyle on the right, and actually properly create chances then so be it because right now Dodge and Nisbet are um, they're they're getting nothing you know what I mean like Dodge is getting criticism for not scoring goals but very harsh what chances he has so for me moving into into next year uh, sorry into the next into the next second year of Jack Ross initially I think we need to have 4-4-2 is done. 
it served us well at the start of the season. We got some results. And do you know what? We can probably get away with it against your Livies, your Hamiltons, your Lightslip, because Gogic and Newell are better than their midfielders. You know what I mean? But when we go up against other good teams, if we, genuinely, I think, if we go with a two in midfield against Celtic and Motherwell, and to be honest, even St Johnston, I think we will lose all the games. Uh, because even St Johnston have, St Johnston have some tidy players, and I think you're like, say like Ali McCann, David Witherspoon, Craig Conway, they're the types of players that will take advantage of the gaps that are created by only having, you know what I mean? by them having a sort of three-on-two in the middle of the park. So I think we need to do something to change it. My preference would be 3-5-2 because you still get to keep the two strikers and have the three in the middle of the park. But if it does mean we go 4-3-3-4-2-3-1 for a game or two and try it at least, I think we, that's something we need to do. And I think I think Steve, Stevie Mallon could be the answer to that while obviously Scott Allen remains unavailable is because he also gives you a threat of scoring outside the box. You know what I mean? Like we didn't even take like ninety minutes to have a shot on target against Aberdeen. Like just have a shot for twenty yards and, and like look at Gogic's shot against Hearts. You know what I mean? It can like it, Gordon spills onto the post that can easily go in. But right now, we, other than Kevin Nisbet, nobody has a shot outside the box. So I think we need to get more creativity in, in the middle of the park and also just numbers. Um, Harry, what what's your thoughts on that? And then obviously the next year for for Jack Ross as well. Um, yep, four four two for me. Um, it's obviously had its moments this season, as you said. Um, Livingston, um, it worked brilliantly. Um, but yeah, for me with Jack Ross, I think the main thing to strengthen his tenure for me is we need a new centre back. So there's competition at centre back, especially if we're um, sticking with four four two, because I think that um, Porches is just untouchable at the moment. I think if we had an extra start, I think if Jackson was still here. I think the purchase would be dropped now because you can't have two performances that bad back-to-back weeks. But I don't think that McGregor is fit enough or to last a full 90 minutes in the sense that we can drop Porteous. I think we need um, either a player that can contest Gogic's role, so that destroyer role in the midfield that can go and just attack people, not necessarily a great footballer, but just go and annoy players. That I think McCrory would have brought that in, but with a bit of class that he's got as well. Um, or a player to properly challenge Neil because the thing is Neil does a bit of everything. He's kind of a jack of all trades as opposed to a master of one. But I think I would love a master of one, like proper creative player just to pull all the strings. Like Scott Allen essentially we need him back. But whilst he's out, we need a player to fill that void. And I think as you said as well, we need a striker. Um I think the main reason that four four two or three five two is going to fizzle out is because we don't have that third option. Yep. Uh, defences know exactly what they're coming up against first game of the season though Nisbet and Boyle looked really good up front together um, Boyle obviously looked fantastic, got, got his goals um, but yeah for me I think the main thing is just adding depth to the squad as well as the quality that we've already got because at the start as you need to touch on um, with the money situation caused by COVID um, we are focusing more on the quality of the squad as opposed to the like quantity of the squad, which I think was a problem for Hecky last year. He just kind of brought in a bunch of players and didn't really know what to do with them, but Ross kind of filtered that out, and now we've got a decent condensed squad that's definitely good enough to get top four. But I think if we get a solid player for each of those three spots, then we could definitely have a squad that could challenge Aberdeen. But yeah, that's my 
aim for Ross in the next year. I think can take him from an eight to eight point five. Do you think? <laughs> do you think that we might see these if we were to make these signings? So let's say um, we sign uh, a centre back, um, a centre midfielder, and I would say an attacker in in yeah. in Van yeah. Someone that can maybe even take the place of Martin Boyle or Murphy wide or, or in the ten or up front, like someone in the final third. Would day three signings probably, and if we're still there or thereabouts, would you think that that would be enough, assuming they're the right player, to maybe see us finish third this season? If they're I, the right player, I highly doubt we would make more than two signings because yeah. with the policy that we've got at the moment, it's very we want this refined model of a player to come into the club that we can kind of put in the club for years to come. But I, st- I think that we still got potential. I think that. Ross still hasn't quite found the best system for this team. I think that's obvious to all the fans that watch every week. There just seems like there's something missing. But I think a wee tweak could potentially give us that. But it is really difficult to say. I don't think that just based off the last two games at third um, feel realistic. It is realistic. As, yeah. as we say, Aberdeen could have a fall off. At the end of the day, it's two points. And look, this is, I've been quite pessimistic. It's two points a game in hand, but their game in hand is at Celtic Park. Like... Celtic are a bit hot and cold, but you'd imagine that Aberdeen aren't going to go to Celtic Park and win. So at most, it's three, three points really. So we mm. are there. Like I'm the bit, I'm the most pessimistic out of all three years just now. But we are not far away, and if you can find that spark again, then it, I guess it is possible. But I agree, right now it doesn't really seem possible, and it definitely feels a lot worse than what it looks like. I mean, God, Friday night you're playing. We're not even going to finish top six. Then you look at the league table and you go. Oh, we're actually seven points clear of the team behind us, and I'm pretty sure we've got a game in hand on them as well. Like, it's not actually that bad, but I think it's also a reflection of some of the teams in the league as well. To be fair, um, Greg, four four two. Obviously, at the start of the season, we touched on just how flexible this team was, and in game, it looks like it. You know what I mean? You were getting starting lineups coming through, and you're thinking, is that 3 5 2? Is it 4 4 2? Blah, blah, blah. For me, Jack Ross has become really stubborn in the last month or so. We've not moved from 4 4 2, no matter the opponent, or really at all during the game. The last time I can really remember a tactical change in the game was maybe even Rangers away, Rangers at home, when Kevin Nisbet went left. Um, what what is 4 4 2 done for you? Yeah, I think, I think it's been. It's run its course. I, I think that we are far too predictable with four four two. I think it is so easy to read us. Um, I, I would actually maybe like to see us play four three three. I know I've gone on about three five two every week till till folk are blue in the face, but I would like to see to see four three three. I think our midfield three even of Gogic, Newland, McGinnis if he's fit. Um, with Boyle, Deutsch and, and this but up front I mean that can easily change you can bring Malin in or, or Halberg or whatever so I do just think we need to open ourselves up to be a bit more flexible again um, I, I do just think we've become far too predictable and, and that's why we've maybe seen this this run of form um, where, where teams are sussing us out and I know on Friday it was individual errors but at the same time they nullified us pretty quickly and you know, I think Derek, Derek McInnes would 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 accepted one 0 if we hadn't gifted them a second. But yeah, I think we need to we need, we need to even come up with a plan B, plan C at times. I feel like 
Jack Ross, as you say, is stubborn. He only plays the one way, and if it doesn't work, he'll keep plugging away and trying to make it work. And I think it's, I think it's maybe time he accepted that it's just not going to work. And then we need to, we need to change it up and, and become a bit more flexible with it. Yeah, and obviously, like we said, we do have a game on Sunday. Uh, obviously, it's a massive game for the for the country on Thursday night. Uh, so hopefully, our spirits are high going into the weekend and. I think you're likely to see the likes of Jamie Gullen, um, Stevie Mallon, probably Stephen McGinn, Sean Matthew, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, come into the um, into the starting eleven. Harry, just like you say, but we won't go too much into it. But give us a quick score prediction for the Dundee game. Yeah, uh, go one 0 Hibs. I think it'll be crap. <laughs> and Greg. Um, yeah, to be honest, I don't know if I even go nil nil to be fair because we look pretty bad. And obviously, there has just been a little bit of breaking news come through as we record this. Dundee have literally <laughs> just went top of the League Cup group, having beat was it Cove they were playing tonight 3 0. Um, so I don't know where that puts us in terms of and obviously, I know second place gets through in some of the groups. I'd assume the fact that we've won three games, we'd be in a good position to be one of the second place teams to go through. But I guess if we do want to win this competition, the likelihood is that we are going to have to go and win the game on Sunday. And I think we will. Um, I will say, although it's another Hibs game on TV, so we will no doubt be absolutely shite. Um, but I will say, nothing spectacular, pretty boring. 2-0 Hibs. Um, uh, 2-0 Hibs. Nothing, nothing spectacular. I hope Jamie Gullen plays and I hope he plays well because that's the one thing that's been annoying me recently. And to be honest, all season, Jack Ross talked Jamie Gullen up a lot at the end of last season and over the summer and said that he is very much our sort of in and around the squad and he's a third-choice striker. He said we've hardly seen him. Like, I'll actually text you in the group chat being like, why are we going with Jamie Gullen as our third-choice striker if Jack Ross won't bring him on when we're losing games? And as I press sent, Jamie Gullen came on the pitch. But, like, I think he is good. Like, I think he's shown in flashes, and I just I hope that he gets the run to show just how good he is. But I think we have moaned enough about the also, main... Also, just, just before we move on, just one wee more bit of moaning. Um, I would like to see us actually turn up and care this week. Um, that's what I would like to see. So that's all I mean, from me on that. Though. I'd love to just see us. I'd, I'd love to this Hibs team to prove my initial thoughts right, and that we, we do have the capabilities of scudding a team. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we turn up and do that. But I'll be pleasantly surprised if we do. And unfortunately, unlike last week, uh, we didn't have the saving grace of uh, Hibs women victory on the Sunday. Um, Unfortunately, the women's team suffered their first defeat of the season against Rangers, 1-0 on Sunday. And we managed to get a couple of questions to Dean. So here is what he had to say after the full-time whistle. And a question from Down the Slope is, what do you feel the team can improve upon in the next two games against teams that will be up there challenging at the end of the season? I think we just need to do what we've done today. I mean, that game could have went our way, so... In terms of improvements, there's always things you can improve on. I thought the first half we maybe could have showed a little bit more composure. 
but at the same time, we deliberately sat in so deep, so it's very hard to then get out. So we knew what we'd set ourselves up for the first half, but we worked very, very hard. We competed for every ball. I thought we won the majority of the first balls and second balls. Um, if I had to be really critical, I mean, maybe show a little bit more composure, but at the same time, it's very hard to do that when your team's so deep, in, and that's the way we set the girls up. We had a game plan that, that worked, and unfortunately, Rangers scored just as we were ready to go a little bit more attacking. So, sod's law, but that's what it is. So, guys, obviously, Dean there was just talking about really we had a game plan, we wanted to sort of sit in and frustrate Rangers, and it was working well. And just as we were about to basically flick the switch and say, right, go, Rangers scored. And the only real frustration for him was that one, obviously, the game plan was working very well, just as they were going, they conceded almost at the worst time for, the, for us. And also just felt that maybe we lacked a little bit of quality and composure on the final third. Greg, obviously you watched the, the majority of the game. Uh, I wasn't able to watch too much of it. And Harry, you, you, you were the same. Um, you obviously, I think you've had similar thoughts really to what, obviously what Dean had said after the game. You felt maybe just with the way that we sat in, um, we just didn't create that much in the final third. Yeah, I thought that, to be fair, the defending was excellent at times. Um, anything that came in, you know, I think the, the back three, four, dealt with it very well. Um, you know, Hibs were really getting stuck in and they're not just there to sit in. You know, they were still trying to go forward and create chances. And I was actually very impressed with uh, Gallagher um, on the right side. I thought, thought at times she was trying to take on, take on the Rangers fullback and, and do all the right things and uh, same with Collette Cavanaugh on the other side. Um, maybe just not enough service getting up front at times with with them sitting in, but I don't know if you've seen the goal, but very unfortunate. Um, you know, it kind of comes in and it is not overly dealt with and it it just breaks the Rangers plan. Look at the end of the day, it's, it's a pretty simple finish, but Hibs, deserve, Hibs probably deserved a point for that just with the way they defended and you know they can they can be very proud of themselves and, and take take that in the next week. You know they've got a couple of very difficult games yeah. coming up with Celtic and, and Glasgow City, and you know they'll be looking to benchmark themselves again against those teams as well. So, but no, I thought defensively they were they were excellent for for the majority of the game. Yeah, I think obviously, albeit in in defeat, it was a very even game, and like like we said, Hibs had a very clear game plan and it was working very well and we very easily could have been 1-0 up in the game obviously Charlotte Potts hit the bar, hit the bar uh, at 0-0 and we like obviously when we spoke with Dean and Charlotte they know that the media are pretty much expecting Hibs to fade off a wee bit this season probably be the sort of fourth force if you like behind the three Glasgow teams but I think we showed uh, at the weekend, that we can we can we can still hang at the top of this league. You know what I mean? Like we are still a force in this league, and yeah, maybe it might result in us being a little bit more um, what's the word? Not not cautious, but pragmatic about how we do things. Maybe we won't be just like really hammering home against Rangers and Celtic like we have in previous years, uh, because obviously they've had masses of investment, but. We've got another big game this weekend against Glasgow City, which is again being shown on the BBC Sports Scotland on Sunday. Um, so I believe that there's going to be a little bit of a crossover uh, between both games. So it'll be good to hopefully get two wins in at 
simultaneously. Harry, what, what have you made of, of the, the women's team start to the season so far? I just think Charlotte Potts Ballon d'Or. That's my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> nah, um, it's, it's frustrating to say the least. Um, I, I caught the highlights and there's a guy, Jack Gillies, I believe it's pronounced on Twitter that I follow. Um, just a Hibs fan, watches all the Hibs games. He watches the ladies' games quite intently as well. Um, he was saying I agreed with him based on what I've seen. Um, I thought Hibs were the better team. Um, Rangers, obviously, they got their chance and it's the type of thing, um, if you're playing Not a club. game like that, you need to take the chance when it comes. They did, we didn't. Um, unfortunately, Charlotte, as you say, hit the bar, No, no. You score that goal, you think you're probably going to win the game based on the tactics that we've deployed. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I think it's hopeful as well, because obviously the way the media's portrayed it, you're expecting Rangers to roll in, smoke the cigars, put six past us and roll out the town. But yeah. it didn't happen. We made a statement saying we're not any team that's just going to get battered about so yeah. just I'd, I'd say it's still positive for the rest of the year and hopefully they can bounce back next game Yeah it'll be another tough game against Glasgow City but again I think over the last few years um, we've obviously we've had some good results against Glasgow and had some not so good results and there's nothing there's nothing nothing to fear. Um I think Glasgow sitting in a similar position to ourselves. I know a couple of a couple of their players are going to be leaving mid season to go to Rangers sort of I think it's like a sort of pre contract situation that they're signing I believe in January. Um because obviously the, the season times have changed so their contract at Glasgow finishes. So I think they're in a relatively similar position to us, probably with a little bit more like They've always sort of maybe been that half step in front and they remain that. But hopefully we go and put on a good show in front of the cameras again and get three points and really show that well, our intent is to qualify for the Champions League this year, which is a lovely sentence to say about a Hibs team. So hopefully the women's team bounce back. Um, unfortunately, I don't think there will be any High Beer of the Week nominations from us uh, this week. Obviously... We did have some conversations on Twitter and Edinburgh FM has very kindly nominated themselves to be Hybrid of the Week. And having seen the three, uh, sorry, the two games over the weekend, I don't think the three of us will have any issues in awarding Edinburgh FM Hybrid of the Week. Or do you, Harry? Um, I was going to say F.A. Ambrose just because I love them, eh? <laughs> he was captain tonight for Olivia. I just love F.A. Ambrose. But I met him by FM. If he wants to be high be of the week and that makes him feel good about himself, I'm all for it. That's, I'm, that's I'm a, a massive supporter of us as well. Uh, so it's, and check out check out his Twitter page. Um, but He's got a YouTube channel as well. Yeah, and his YouTube channel. Um, but a huge supporter of us. So I think we can give him just, the um, high be of the week this week. Just since Harry said F.A. Ambrose, I would just like to say that I'm really missing Scott Allen at the moment. Aye, I think, I think we all are, and hopefully he gets back to, to full health as soon as possible. Um, obviously, nobody really knows the situation, and it's not right to, the right thing is to leave it at that, but I think we all just pray that he comes back to full health uh, as soon as possible. I just miss him, to be honest. I just, yep. just miss him. <laughs> Especially when it's windy and winter and Just he's running through the middle of the park and and the wind's whistling through his curtains and you know he's picking an unbelievable pass that nobody else has seen. I just 
Please well, come back. We, we, we too coming down now there. A wee bit, a wee bit, you know, a bit emotional <laughs> just thinking about wee Scott here. And, and a lot of a change of pace for tonight's podcast, there is some good news coming out of us. Yay. Our November campaign um, is going pretty well. Um, between ourselves, Long Bangers and Hibs Talk, we have raised over £1,500 already, which is a sensational effort. Um, I personally, looking at the donations page, probably have to up my game a wee bit. Um, Definitely. But the, yeah, at the end of the day, um, it's X amount of pounds that they would that wouldn't have been there had we not yep. done it. And across the three podcasts, I think we can be very proud of what we have raised so far. And we're only ten days into the month, so hopefully by the end of the month we will have some serious, serious cash raised for an unbelievable cause. And just some other news that's coming out of the club today. Hibs announced a partnership with the US club Charleston Battery. Um, that could mean something entirely different if they were based in Scotland. Um, but Declan Gallagher. What have you baseball made, bat. What have you made, or what do you make of this partnership that's uh, that's been announced with, with obviously the state side club? Oh look, you know what? Uh, nobody really knows at the moment. I know that a couple of their players have come over to train. So, like you know, it's. I think over the coming months things will be a bit a bit clearer. But you know what? I think a, a, possibly a lot of influence from Ron Gordon here um, with, with with the kind of state connection. But like you know what? There are probably some very good players in in America and soccer is really. Soccer, as they call it, has really taken off. So, yeah, look, you know what? Probably a good experience for them as well, coming over and seeing a different culture and, and all that. So, no, nah, good good luck to the boys that come over and you never you never know what might happen with them. Yeah, I think anything, like anything as well, if it's going to give us a little bit more exposure as well, you know what I mean? Like anything, I think, that can bring some money into the club, uh, which I'd imagine there'll be some benefit to us uh, one way or another. And I think any any small any small margins that you can improve on, especially in the in the situation in the world just now, is definitely something that we need to capitalise on. And just like Hibs in the international break, just like the league action, our league of Harry's Highby quiz is on a break. But I have one quick fire question um, to the both of you. You've both seen on Twitter tonight. Um, John Ram's hole-in-one skidding across the water at the Masters is sort of taking Twitter by storm. And it got, it got obviously put out on Twitter, but it got us thinking, that was caught on camera. But what is the best goal that you've ever seen scored live in a non-televised game? So we're talking a game that wasn't... Obviously, there's cameras there, so you're talking like sports scene and stuff, but not live on Sky, BT, ESPN, Satanta, etc., etc., what would be your favourite goal in a Saturday three o'clock kickoff, Greg? Does it have to be Saturday three o'clock? Because mine was midweek against okay. St. Marin at home. Well, no, that's allowed. Right, so Adam Hamill picks the ball up in the centre circle for St. Marin at home to us. And We're not even using a Hibs goal. Uh, no, and, and somehow scores, like, <laughs> honestly, that that is possibly the best goal I've seen live, it was just the technique and everything. You, you just have to appreciate that. 
And I remember um, that was first half, wasn't it? I think at halftime, people around me in the stadium were like, we should be expecting that. He's just scored for 40 yards the week before against Hearts. Like, I wait the now, mate. Like, because he's picked up the ball about 60 yards for goal. Wait the now till I expect him to shoot. Like, Aye, because Bogdan's sitting at his house watching sports and thinking, oh, no, this is his boy that, that scored against Hertz the week before, so I better get back on my line pronto. <laughs> and Harry, what, what's the best goal you've ever seen live in a non-televised game? Oh, I, can't, I didn't think it was televised, because most of the time when you play at Ibrox, it yep. isn't televised. <laughs> but I might be wrong on this, but it is... It's up in my top five favourite hip schools of all time, and if it's televised, feck it, it's going in this anyway. Vikinta Sliv because volley in the three two game. Oh, oh, like I just remember it going absolutely mental. That was the season before they reduced us down even further, so we had a decent yeah. amount of uh, fans in that corner. But we went absolutely tonto. And I remember one of the I can't remember who it was. But one of the guys I follow on Twitter walked up to me raging, saying that um, he thought Slivka had scored earlier in the game, but he didn't because it was at the far end of the pitch, so we couldn't tell he scored, but he had a tenner on Slivka anyway. I think he was very close to scoring, I'm sure. Like, he did. Aye. He, yeah, he put the ball in it, hit off to Verne and into the net. Aye, oh, but he had a tenner on Slivka anytime, so he <laughs> was raging. But I remember after he scored that volley, the guy like jumped on top of me and that was pure buzzing at his nut because he'd just got up like 80 quid and Hibs had scored to essentially win at Ibrox. But I love that goal. I think it's a cracker. Just on that, was it not um, Dorans that had Slivka by the throat earlier on in the game and then Slivka takes up the chest and sticks it through his legs in the bottom corner? <laughs> I think so. I think peak. That's that where his hips career peaked, to be fair. That was it. Slivka over. You were his biggest fan and I think to this day remain it. But well, that's a, another discussion for overrated hips players that Greg loves. But um, oh, she also scored twice against Celtic. To be fair, and that is always overlooked. <laughs> One with a header as well. Well, one of them Slivka. For me, my favourite goal, um, or not favourite goal, but sort of very pleasing on the eye. And I mean I the charity think... match at Broxburn. <laughs> no, and I don't. I think it's not one that many people. I think you'll probably remember it now. It's brought up, but it was Pat Fenlon's second season when Lee Griffiths was on fire. And him and Owen Doyle were forming a very good partnership up front. And home to Dundee United, we played mm-hmm. some sensational football in the middle of the park. And I believe Doyle broke down sort of east stand and he whipped it into the back post. So it might be only about 15, 15, 10, 15 yards out on the angle. And Griffiths has caught this volley pure as a dime, smacked off the underside of the bar and went in. And for me, that was... I think he even got, I'm sure he was on Soccer M and that. I'm sure Griffiths was on Soccer M loads that season, but I just thought that was an unbelievable goal from Hibs. Um, and there's something ridiculously satisfying about crosses and then just being met first time on the volley. Or even headers as well. I don't know if you remember Brian Graham's first goal for Hibs against Morton in a 4 0 win. Cummins has whipped a ball in for right in front of the main stand. And, Graham's and he's just flicked it for I don't know, he must again about 15 yards out where he done it hard. So satisfying to watch. But for me, that Lee Griffiths goal against Dundee United. Um, also also a special mention for <coughs> Derek Radden at Parkhead. The chip? Um yeah, I think it was about 11, 10, 11 season. You know, he got the ball at he got the ball at the edge of the box or something and, and dinked it right over the goalie. That, that, got that goal, was special. That got goal of the season on sports scene, right? Yeah. And 
you can't I've looked for it a lot on YouTube and you cannot find it anywhere. Like I don't know don't know what's going on with it. Like but absolute worldy. I mean Chip Fraser Foster as well, like six foot seven or something. Is that is it's possibly on one of those naughty channels that you like you in? <laughs> is that filthy? Hey, it might be past the watershed when we're recording this, but it'll not be past the watershed when it goes out. Family <laughs> show. Anyway, lads, I think that's us for this week. We will be back next week. Uh, sort of half arse in our review of the League Cup and previewing the Celtic game, um, which is another massive game when we get back to league action. But thanks a lot for joining us. We will be keeping you all updated with our Movember campaign on Twitter. Please donate if you can. It's for an unbelievable cause. But thanks a lot for joining us. Greg, Harry, thanks for contributing again. Thank you. Thank you.